listening to the Sports Hive Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to the Sports Hive Podcast, where we provide you with all the buzz in the sports world. My name is Carrick Jackson. Today, filling in for Jacob High and alongside me is Charlie Gutierrez, filling in for Luke Hoffman. Today is Monday, February 17th, 2020, and boy, do we have a big episode for you today. Talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend, which just passed us this past weekend. A little bit about the XFL, as they are two weeks in now. The NFL, free agency coming up in a month. And some news from the front offices across the NFL, NBA, and MLB, and then we're going to top it off with some college basketball game predictions for you. Let's get right into it. The NBA All-Star Weekend has come to a close, and there were a lot of big things that happened throughout it. Let's go way back to Saturday, starting off with the skills contest. Bam Adebayo took home the skills contest trophy this week, and I felt like that was more of a statement win for him, more than people may think. I believe that the future of the big man in the NBA was more so bought out by the win of Bam out of bio. Charlie, what do you think about that win by Bam? Do you think the future of the big man is changing in the NBA? Uh, I definitely think that big man is changing. You see, um, there's Andre Drummond. You know, he's the typical prototype, old school uh, big man, gets a lot of rebounds, but you can tell that the NBA is kind of shifting away from that. Uh, the Pistons are trying to shop him, and they got pretty much nothing from Cleveland. So that 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 goes to show how uh, you know how useless—not useless, but how uh, less coveted those type of players are. So now it's definitely like the more athletic, you know, the the stretch uh, the stretch bigs that are that are more coveted right now. And Bam Adebayo is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I agree. And I mean to think that. In this contest, there were no guards that made it to the final four. It was all it was all forwards. Chris Middleton, a small forward, uh, Demontis Sabonis, a power forward, Bam Adebayo, a center, and Jason Tatum, a small forward as well. Um, or sorry, Jason Tatum went out in the first round. Um, but all four of those players were forwards and not guards. So I felt like that was really big in terms of what it's saying about the big man. And look, even looking across the league, you've got guys like Brooke Lopez. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, who's completely changed his game in the last couple of years from not being much of a three-point shooter to being one of the biggest pieces on the Bucks because right. he helps Giannis spread the floor. Right, you can see the shift. You know, you you pretty much have to shoot to 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 start as a big man in today's NBA. You you have to be athletic. You have to be able to to have some sort of handles, and um, you can just tell that that's where it's shifting. I definitely agree. Now, looking on to the three-point contest, Buddy Heald ended up being the winner after beating Devin Booker in the final round. Now, Devin Booker wasn't supposed to be in this game. It was supposed to be Damian Lillard, but Damian Lillard's injury cost him from going there, meaning Devin Booker got to take that spot and show the world why he should have been in the All-Star game, perhaps. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Devin Booker was definitely snubbed from the All-Star game. I don't think he should have gotten over Dame, but uh, I still think he was definitely snubbed. And making it to the finals against Buddy, the entertaining finals they had, um, 
just uh proves you know how how uh, improved Booker is, especially past like since his rookie year. He keeps elevating his game each and every year, and um, this is a year he finally gets to prove it. Yeah, I agree. But even even a third year, fourth year player like Buddy Heald to be able to take this trophy from him. Yeah. And Buddy Heald's not really the best three point shooter out there, but he definitely can knock down the three when he needs to. Yeah, definitely. And he really proved that in the contest. There's no doubt. I thought Trey Trey Young would would come through, but he just had an awful. <laughs> a lot of people were thinking that night. those uh, deep three, the Mountain Dew three point shots that were three points. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people were thinking Trey Young could have stolen that just because he makes a lot of those in right. games, but. Even a guy going back to the big man conversation, like Davis Bertans was able to make it, yeah, um, to the final round with a score of twenty six in the first round, which is outstanding. And then last year, Joe Harris won. Small forward, you know, just just keeps on telling you how <laughs> how much the big man is uh, is taking over the NBA, evolving in the NBA. Yep. And now the talk of the town from Saturday, the dunk contest. The dunk contest ended up being number one, two, and three trending on Twitter after the way it finished last night. Derek Jones Jr. was named the winner of the dunk contest. And a lot of people questioned that. A lot of people, especially those who watched it, were, had to think about whether or not that was the right call by the judges, had to question how the judging goes in the dunk contest. Should there be more dunkers in the dunk contest rather than simply celebrities. Yeah, definitely. Aaron Gordon was definitely the talk of the town at the end of that. Afterwards, he said, quote, it's a wrap. I feel like I should have two trophies. Do you agree that Aaron Gordon should have two trophies right now? Oh, yeah, definitely. He had the better uh, dunks when he went against uh, Zach Levine, and he was better overall, in my mind, than, uh, than Derek Jones Jr., and uh, I don't blame him for not wanting to to try and win it again because I can't even imagine how much work it comes in that he puts into, you know, to deciding which moves to do, which um, what goes into it. So I don't, I don't blame him at all. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of it, a lot of it definitely comes down to having that creative mindset at the end because mm. most of the time these guys are preparing for two, three, maybe four dunks. Um, that they could possibly use during this competition. Um, and they're completely changeable, especially depending on how judges choose to score them. Right. And there were talks with Taco Fall after Aaron Gordon's dunk saying that that was not planned. Um, Pat Connaughton's dunk with Giannis was not planned. Um, so a lot of that just came down to the creative mindset. Now, one of the biggest talks around Twitter was that the judges – had an agreement to make it a tie prior to the Aaron Gordon dunk. Now, the judges who were uh, Dwayne Wade, Scottie Pippen, Chadwick Boseman, celebrity, um, Candace Parker, and Common, also um, famous Chicago rapper celebrity, um, those were the five judges, and they had agreed prior to the Aaron Gordon dunk that they would try to make it a tie. Afterwards, Common suggested, after confirming that they tried to make it a tie, that somebody went rogue. Now, does that make it fair judging, per se, if they were discussing prior to the dunk that it should have been a tie? Hell no. Get Common and Candace Parker's ass out of the, out of the judges. Uh, <laughs> that is being blunt. Uh, 
I don't know. I just don't think the scoring was good at all. Like some dunks were way too easy. Fifties, uh, you know, they're giving easy fifties, and then other dunks that should have been fifties weren't. So it it just was super inconsistent the whole night. Yeah, I agree. And if you look back at all the dunks, some of them that weren't fifties seem like they should have been. Others that were maybe should not have been. So. Mm. You think that maybe something had to be behind the way that they were scoring some of these dunks. Like they wanted to see a bit more from Aaron Gordon, like what happened last time, just try to extend it a couple more rounds and all that stuff. But if, say we were able to accept the fact that they tried to make it a tie, there were three people on that last one who, who made it a nine point dunk rather than a 10 and that was Dwayne Wade, Chadwick Boseman, and Scottie Pippen. Now, Common, like I said before, Common said that one of those three went rogue. And if you had to choose one of them, who do you think it would be and why? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind would be Chadwick Boseman. But since he's a celebrity, I don't think he he really would have the balls to change it. I think it would, Dwayne Wade would be the most likely that would have changed it in my mind. I know it's a lot of speculation because a lot of people were showing that Chadwick Boseman had also put a nine on Derek Jones Jr.'s dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of lean towards Dwayne Wade in that sense, especially because Derek Jones Jr. is a Miami Heat player and obviously right. Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat, all-star, champion, um, legend, whatever you want to call it. So all that aside... It's over. Derek Jones Jr. won. Aaron Gordon. Did he get snubbed? Did he not get snubbed? That's up for you guys in the audience to decide. Definitely got snubbed. (laughs) Let's move on to the All-Star game that just happened last night. Now, boy, was this an All-Star game. Team LeBron, much like last season, versus Team Giannis. And Team LeBron, after being down through three quarters, was able to come back and pull it off in arguably the best fourth quarter in All-Star game history. I mean, the, the hustle, the, the energy, the defense, um, that's not something you see every day from, from an all-star game, especially in the fourth quarter. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. Every, this was the perfect fourth quarter to an all-star game. This is definitely the best all-star game, not, not as a whole, because the first three quarters were a typical all-star game. Not much defense, uh, a lot of chucking up shots, a lot of alley-oops, but the fourth quarter was amazing. The, high, the crowd was into it. The players were clearly into it. The bench was into it. The refs were making, you know, pivotal calls. It was just really good basketball and really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, looking at – since you mentioned the refs, I mean, look at some of them and a couple of the offensive fouls that they called late in the game, they really called way after they blew the whistle. Yeah, so. like the one Harden, on uh, Lowry Harden, yeah, against Harden. The one on Lowry and the one against Lowry later on. Mm. It almost comes to show that they really needed time to think about it because they wanted to make the right call there. Um, and a lot of people aren't really fans of that. A lot of people don't like refs taking their time to process everything that happened to make the correct call. And from my point of view, at least, I felt like both of those were the correct call at the end of the day. Yeah, they were. They definitely right. were. Now, do you think that the NBA should keep this format? Do you think that the fourth quarter should stay like this and immortalize Kobe Bryant in such a way? Or do you think that they should go back to the regular format? 
They should definitely keep this format. They should not go back to the format. And if they do, Adam Silver should lose his job because, you know, you can tell even, like, on social media, people were loving this fourth quarter. And you can't take away something that people love, especially after the All-Star game has been, like, so irrelevant the past, like, 20 years, you know. Yeah, I I completely agree. I felt like – on top of that, this format, even if you go quarters one through three like that, it's to be able to support the charity of your choice in that city and have them donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to that charity simply by winning a quarter, mm-hmm. I feel like that that's not only great for the league, it's great for the fans, it's great for the community. Um, and the amount of views I felt like were probably really high, especially getting towards that fourth quarter. And I feel like yeah. keeping this format could definitely make that go up and make the all-star game just as popular as it has been in years past. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now Kawhi Leonard ended up winning the first ever Kobe Bryant Kia all-star game MVP award. Now Adam Silver on Saturday declared that, this would be the Kobe Bryant MVP award for this year and possibly years forward. Um, is this the right place to immortalize Kobe Bryant? And if not, where else would you do it? You know, that's a tough, that's a tough question because I don't want to say the All-Star game is irrelevant, but I just think Kobe is much higher than an All-Star game MVP, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. But completely. but I, I don't know where they would where they would fit Kobe an award with Kobe's name in. I guess I would just have to look at more of the awards and you know see yeah. if, like where he would fit in. But I just think he's a bit way bigger than than just an All Star Game MVP. Yeah, I agree. And I personally, I've been talking with um, a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I'm close with um, about how to immortalize Kobe in a trophy and. You look at the NFL, you look at the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, because Walter Payton, you could argue, was a lot like how he saw Kobe Bryant. He was Mm. considered one of the best at his time um, at running back for the Chicago Bears, Um, but then off the field was where he ended up thriving. um, Just like Kobe. In Chicago, just like Kobe. Mm. So personally, I feel like some sort of NBA Kobe Bryant Man of the Year Award could go a long way. Yeah. Um, a brand new award to show um, just how well these players are doing in the communities. And you could do it the exact same way that the NFL does it. Each team nominates one player. Um, and at the end of the year, during their award show, go ahead and name one of the players the Kobe Bryant Man of the Year. And I feel like that's that's arguably one of the best ways that you can immortalize Kobe in the NBA besides um, sending him to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really, a really good idea. That would be a, almost a perfect tribute to Kobe and what he stood for as a person and, you know, on and off the court. Absolutely. And I feel like Kobe Bryant off, off the court was just somebody that is a role model to many um, and I really appreciated the way that Adam Silver chose to go with this year's All-Star game. I think yeah. this weekend was a very successful weekend in terms of the future of the NBA. And 
let's have fun with the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to the XFL. The XFL is now two weeks in, two very successful weeks in. It doesn't seem to be any problems yet. And we have a couple teams that seem to be leading the pack at this point. We've got the DC Defenders, who are 2-0 and after a statement win against the New York Guardians, keeping them shut out. And the Houston Roughnecks, after a close game with the St. Louis Battlehawks, are also 2-0. and Those two seem to be emerging as favorites. Which one do you, do you think one of those teams is going to win the championship, or do you think it'll be a team in the field? Yeah, in a, in a league like the XFL, a quarterback can make all the difference. It can make or break a team, just like it does in the NFL. And P.J. Walker is clearly the best player in the entire league right now. And I think he can, he's good enough right now that where he can carry Houston into a championship. All right. I, I can definitely agree with yeah. that. To contrast P.J. Walker, though, you've got Cardale Jones of D.C. Now, Cardale mm-hmm. Jones is 13-0 all-time as a starter, which – Simply thinking about that is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 games in college, won a national championship with Ohio State, and is now 2-0 and in the XFL. So Cardell Jones and P.J. Walker seem to be favorites as the MVP. Um, for P.J. Walker's case, he is a quarterback that's currently leading the league in touchdowns as he's got more touchdowns to his name than – most almost every other team combined. What are your thoughts on that? Right. PJ Walker's just balling seven touchdowns to one interception. Um, I think he, he can make a case to come back to the NFL. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how the NFL is going to evaluate, you know, the talent from the XFL and to debate whether or not they should offer or extend a contract to, to some of these players. But I think he's definitely making a case to come back. And Cardo Jones, I, I, it's hard to believe that he never even got a start in the NFL. And if he keeps this up, as long as he takes care of the ball, I think he too could get, a, could get an offer from an NFL team. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the NFL will have that time to evaluate all of the XFL players after, obviously, the championship game this week, mm-hmm. given that it makes it that far. Um, Speaking of the NFL, let's move on to them. We are now just about a month away from free agency being open and available, and we've heard a lot of names about upcoming free agents, a lot of big names. Um, And I would argue that some of the top 10 or people that would be included in the top 10 are quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Um, and then other players like Jadavian Clowney, Amari Cooper, Chris Jones, Byron Jones, and A.J. Green. Yeah. Now, those are, like I said, those are 10 really big names yeah. in the NFL, all of which can help a team tremendously. Um, just from those teams alone, who do you think stays with their team? Who do you think leaves their team for somebody else, and where do you think they'll go? So I think Tom Brady is not coming back to New England. I think he's going to – I think he's going to the West Coast – um, either Las Vegas or the Chargers seem like a really good fit for him, uh, especially at this point in his career. With Philip Rivers uh, out of uh, Los Angeles, I think that's a great fit for Tom Brady. Chris Jones, I think, uh, finds a way to stay in Kansas City. 
which will be hard though because Kansas City also has to keep taking into account um how much they're gonna pay Patrick Mahomes, which he's gonna it's gonna be a lot of money to keep him. Uh, I think Clowney stays with Seattle. Um, Byron Jones, I think he stays with Dallas. Shaq Barrett, I don't think he'll stay in Tampa. Um, but yeah, that's just some of the some of the big names. Yeah, and I mean, looking down the list, um, a guy like Dak Prescott, you think that Dallas has to keep a guy like him, even if they have to yeah. franchise tag him. Um, you can almost guarantee Dak Prescott staying. If you were if you were Jerry Jones, would you put priority on Dak Prescott or Amari Cooper? I feel like I definitely put more priority on a guy like Dak Prescott. I mean, I agree. This guy, this guy definitely came in as their franchise quarterback, and there's a reason why they got rid of Tony Romo so early. It's because that fourth round pick um, ended up being a superstar and ultimately leading them to a playoff run, the playoff push, and almost a couple championships, but they obviously mm-hmm. fell short on that coach and yada, yada, yada. The Cowboys are still back where they are now. Um, even looking ahead to a guy like Drew Brees, um, you would also think that the New Orleans Saints have to keep a guy like him. Yeah. But they between, almost have Between Brees, Taysom Hill, and Bridgewater, I think they keep Brees, they keep Hill, they let Bridgewater go. Yeah, I agree, because Bridgewater definitely proved something to the NFL mm-hmm. um, by being undefeated as a starter for a big team like New Orleans, um, especially when Drew Brees was away. So I'm thinking that Teddy Bridgewater, um, of those three, definitely has to move. But like I said, that's a choice that the um, Saints have to make, ultimately. Um, I think one of the biggest questionable names here is A.J. Green. Obviously, he was out for this entire season. Um, due to injury, and now he's available. I mean, we see how poor of a season the Bengals had, and now they've got the first overall pick, potentially um, could be Joe Burrow um, to fill that quarterback void. But A.J. Green's uh-huh. status is almost unknown. Um, I, I, I don't uh, think there's any know. chance he stays in Cincinnati. They, they have a decent core with uh, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, uh, Tate, is that is that? Odd I don't Tate, know if that's yeah. the other dude. Yeah, so that that's a good trio. I think Green is gone. To me, Green makes good. He he would be a good fit in Las Vegas. He would be a good fit in New England. He would be a great fit in Green Bay. So there's a bunch of options for AJ Green can go to finish out the rest of his career with. I think he yeah. picks best quarterback, best situation. You know. Yeah, I definitely agree. AJ Green deserves to be on a team. Obviously. Um, that great of a receiver. Um, it's just depending on where he wants to go, who's willing to give him the money, honestly. Mm-hmm. And now let's let's move on to one of the, the bigger news. Miles Garrett was officially reinstated by the NFL front office. Um, and as soon as he did that, he claimed right out that, once again, Mason Rudolph used a racial slur um, during his altercation late in the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, to which Rudolph replied that that was a bold-faced lie and a trash attempt at making him look bad. Now, who would you believe in this situation? Do you believe that Miles Garrett's telling the truth, or do you believe he's trying to set Mason Rudolph up? Honestly, I I don't know who to believe because I saw Mason Rudolph said he would uh, consider filing a lawsuit against uh, 
Miles Garrett for for these claims. I I just I just don't know who to believe. It's such a you know unless they're like they have mics on the players. I don't, I don't know how you can you know trust who's right yeah. who's wrong. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. It's hard to. I feel like it's easy for Miles Garrett to claim that, given that you know it is an African American defensive player and a Caucasian quarterback in that situation. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to sort of make those claims, especially in his at, position. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you can look at it from the other standpoint and show how, or even connect the dots with the coaching staff and the whole Rooney rule with um, needing to mm-hmm. talk to African at least one or, African or yeah um, and the fact that you know Eric Bieniemy or um, Matthew Sala don't have head coaching jobs now um, yeah it's a joke that Matthew to, Sala yeah. doesn't have a job as a head coach <laughs> particular yeah you can you can kind of see how it could go either way in the situation, but I guess all we can do right now is sit back and watch mm-hmm. unfold. Even Lafleur, I'm not saying he does he didn't he didn't deserve the Packers job, but he had pretty much no, you know, top of the line coaching experience, and the fact that right. he was hired at one of the most premier jobs in the NFL, I don't know. Regardless, like I said, we got to sit back and wait this one out, mm-hmm. and. See who wins in the end. Now, recently, we had some updates from front offices of the three major leagues in sports the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, all release statements coming directly from each commissioner. Um, Roger Goodell of the NFL and the front office um, have been suggesting a potential 17 game season rather than a 16 game season. Um, and in talks with the NFLPA, they have suggested that they wait until at least the, 20, the 2023 season to consider doing such a move because the majority of players in the NFL are currently under contract until 2021. Now, Richard Sherman, who's a member of the NFL Players Association, was one of the most vocal in this situation. He talked about how the NFL preaches safety, 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 this, safety, that. Yet, in this, in this instance, it seems as though safety has a price tag. Now, do you, first of all, do you think that a 17-game season is a good or a bad idea for the NFL? Uh, you know, at first thought, I think it's, it's a bad idea, but I could see it happening if they get rid of one preseason game. But if they keep the four preseason schedule and then add an extra game on top of that, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I definitely can agree with uh, Sherman in terms of player safety because a lot of players take that week that week 17 game, which is game 16, obviously, off. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, if it's a team that um, is in the playoffs, is has a bye coming up already, um, that's the time we want to rest those players because obviously you don't want to risk injury. In such a high-contact game like football, leads to way too many injuries and day by day they still try to figure out how to eliminate most of those now Mm. looking at that who do you think is the front office favoring in this situation because given that you know 
they pre, they do pre safety. I mean, a lot of the the advance the advancement that the NFL has gone through has had to do with safety. But in this instance, it seems like they could be favoring themselves over the players. They could be trying to favor the players in terms of giving them more play time. Um, they could be trying to favor the fans in terms of giving them more to watch. What do you think that the NFL front office is favoring in this situation? Yeah, so they do preach safety. You see it in, in the penalties. They try and protect players as much as they can, especially defensive players. So I give them that. But adding an extra game for, in my mind, no reason other than another week to to gain more profits, I just see it as ridiculous, putting the players at risk of, of more injuries. I don't know. And then I, but I think eventually they're going to side with Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman has always been um, a vocal leader of the NFLPA. And how, you know, how can you not trust the man? You know, he went to Stanford. He's obviously a genius. He knows what he's (laughs) talking about. And um, obviously the players trust in him too, to, to be their, their vocal leader and to, to stand up for them. So I think eventually they're going to side with Richard Sherman and the NFLPA. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely agree that the uh, NFL seems to kind of be favoring themselves um, most, mostly in this situation, um, especially because it does seem like they're trying to put a price tag on these players um, in terms of a week 17 um, high risk of injury, obviously, because that's, that's a, another game where injuries could happen fresh before the playoffs. Um, that's where an injury could happen mid-season where it should have been a game that never happened. Um, plus the whole idea behind, you know, an even season has really made it interesting across the league. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of teams having like eight and eight records getting into the playoffs. Um, right. I feel like just keeping it even is the best way to go. Um, obviously more football is what fans want. That's kind of what the XFL is doing right now, but I completely agree. I think the NFL should be keeping a 16-game season and including that buy in there. And more is not always better. You know, sometimes it's good to keep keep fans wanting more because that that's what keeps them drawing in. You know, for a new right. season. Now let's move on to the NBA. Adam Silver has come out recently with more talks during this All Star Weekend um, about his plans to play around with the season, per se. He discussed an in-season tournament that would have a $1 million um, bonus, you could call it, um, which would also lower the regular season to a 78-game regular season. And as well, he also suggested playing games for the seven and eight seeds. Um, So I'm assuming that would be something like a seven versus uh, eight and then a nine versus ten or something like that. Would it be would it be a one game series? I would think so. Yeah, I think it'd just be a one game deal at the end of the season just to play with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then finally, he also is talking about reseeding the final four. And during his interview this All Star weekend, he mentioned that he does see all of these coming up in the near future, um, potentially by the 2021 2022. NBA season, which is obviously only two seasons away. Um, let's start with the in-season tournament. Obviously, that would be, like I said, a one million dollar bonus tournament, and that would have to be or that would have to revise the regular season to a seventy-eight game regular season. What are your what's your take on that? 
is that play is that tournament is it like players is it based on like like the individual players or like team is it like i i believe i believe he wanted to make it a team-based tournament mid-season okay you know I, i'm indifferent on all of these nba changes i mean if it if it means shortening the regular season to 78 i wouldn't mind it and i think players would would play hard in that tournament too it would be it would be good entertainment so but I, i'm really indifferent about it yeah I mean, to determine whether or not it's good for good or bad for the NBA is kind of, I guess, at a toss-up because, I mean, I respect Adam Silver. He's he's considering both ends of the spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, let's add a tournament, let's add playing games. He's suggesting that we also lower the regular season to a short amount of games because he obviously takes into consideration the health of the players. Um, but he also kind of wants to appeal to the fans, you know. He wants something that the fans are going to possibly enjoy. Um, I mean, like I said, the $1 million bonus will benefit the players. You'll get more competitiveness in this tournament, per se. Um, and then, obviously, the play-in for the seven and eight seeds kind of makes things more interesting heading into yeah. the playoffs. That'd be cool. Because, um, because, yeah, you could get a team that's probably like five games behind um, in the playoffs as a nine seed, and they can somehow still get in because of the play-in seed. Um so I feel like Adam right. Silver definitely took a lot of consideration into all three of these. And um, I hope that the uh, National Basketball Players Association really takes these things into consideration. I, I really favor the, uh, the playing games because ever since uh, Major League Baseball added those, the wild card games, yep. the playoffs just got so much more exciting. Because the MLB playoffs are already super exciting, but that just added another level of excitement. You know, a one-game right. playoff in baseball, it's basically a toss-up. And same goes for NBA. So I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, I mean, the way that you look at standings from that point forward would be completely different because mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, I'm a 10 seed right now and I could possibly still get into the playoff. Right. All right, and now let's go to the to Major League Baseball. We all know what's been happening with the cheating scandal that has been going on um, with the Houston Astros and their most recent championship bid. Um, Rod Manfred, who had suspended the managers and who the managers were eventually fired by the teams, has defended his decision on what he did with the Astros. Um, Do you think that that's the right call by the commissioner of the MLB? No, I do not think, I do not believe that Rod Manfred made the correct decision on the Houston asterisks. Um, you know, in, in soccer, recently, uh, Manchester City was given a two-year ban from yeah. UEFA Champions League for, for overstating, you know, fi- for financial reasons. They didn't even right. cheat to win. And here, you, the Houston Astros admitted to cheating for two years, maybe three years, getting to the World Series two out of those three years and winning a World Series. I, I, I think they should be stripped of the World Series title. I think there should be a ban. I think the players should be fine. And he's just like giving them a little slap on the hand. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I saw what happened with um, Manchester City in mm-hmm. the UEFA Champions League. And just to hear that, that's a two-year ban is absolutely insane mm-hmm. uh, for something like the financial reasons 
and I think it has something to do with charity work. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I definitely feel like Manfred kind of held back in a way. Um, yeah, I feel like he kind of saw this as something that you know he's not really used to seeing, um, or he never thought that kind of would happen this way. Because I mean, you get the technology mm-hmm. stuff like the uh, the foreign substances on pitchers or like the pine tar on the uh, bats, stuff like that. But yeah, and you, like you get where, you get cases well, of like some some teams blaming or like accusing the other teams of stealing signs from like second base, you know, the, the base runner. But right. this just takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, using using technology to take signs is right. something that obviously the MLB hasn't had to deal with in all of their years. Um, but I definitely agree with you. I feel like the punishment here should have been much higher. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it is stripping of the title, um, finding of the team, of the players, um, suspensions of the team, whatever you need to do. Um, but right. I definitely agree that Rod Manfred probably held back a little bit on the punishment for the team. Yeah, because people say, oh, what, what can, like how, how much can this really help Dash? It was like stealing signs. But people don't understand that hitting is, you know, it should be impossible. But knowing what pitch is coming, that takes off so much of the burden for hitters. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just don't think the Astros are getting enough punishment at all. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. All right. To close out this episode, we're going to look ahead to some of the upcoming NCAA coming up so tonight at 9 p.m eastern we've got a big 12 matchup between kansas and iowa state obviously kansas is coming into this game as the number three seed and iowa state is an unranked team but even if those rankings change by the time we get to this game um we know that a lot of the top five teams in the ncaa have been going down um to these unranked teams and the entire top 25 is being mixed up do you think that happens here with Kansas and Iowa State? Uh, especially this is an Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. Kansas yep. is having a great season. I think they, they keep it up. They beat Iowa State pretty handily. Yeah, I have I to say. agree. I think Kansas is definitely taking this one. Um, that game, like I said, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um now, tomorrow, 6.30 Eastern, I've got a Big Ten matchup, a huge Big Ten matchup between two on-fire teams, 13th-ranked Penn State and 22nd-ranked Illinois. Now, Illinois seems to be a surprise this season, um, just in general, for them to be ranked and for them to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten. Um, as we near March Madness, just mm-hmm. under a month away from the big tournament, who do you have in this pivotal Big Ten match? This is super tough because in the Big Ten, you really don't know what you're going to get. The The Big Ten is stacked. Any team can win on any night. Uh, I'm going to give the advantage to the home team. I think Penn State gets it done. The home team in the Big Ten wins most of the time, and I think they uh, continue their you know, winning ways against Illinois. I think that Illinois is going to have that last little push to – give themselves a good bid heading into the Big Ten tournament and ultimately the uh, national championship mm-hmm. tournament. I think Illinois barrels in on the road. Um, Penn State kind of overlooks them, and Illinois pulls it off, wins it by maybe three or four. 
right. So tomorrow night, then at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have a big SEC matchup between 12th ranked Kentucky and 25th ranked LSU. LSU was just recently added to the top 25 because they have been on a tear recently in the SEC games. Who do you have in this one? Do you have Kentucky at home or LSU on the road? You know, this one is tough too. But um, it's, it's wait, is it is it at LSU or is it at Kentucky? Yes. Is that Kentucky? Playing on the road is so tough in college basketball. You know, home teams have such a big advantage. I yeah. I gotta go with the Wildcats on this one. Yeah. I just think they're I, a better I, team I too overall. Kentucky here too. I think Kentucky's got a well-rounded starting five and then a solid bench to complement it. Um, I just definitely think that they're going to start going on a run here to finish off their season. And now one more game, a huge game yeah. in the Big East tomorrow night at 8.30. We will go to Milwaukee to see Marquette take on Creighton in a huge Big East matchup, especially late in the season. Who are you taking in this one? This one's tough, too, because the Big East, just like the Big Ten, is pretty stacked, and all the teams, you know, top to bottom, show that they're capable of winning no matter who they're playing. And so this battle of ranked teams, you know, they're playing at the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. I, I got to go with Marquette, Marquette in this one. They had a close loss against Villanova. They showed they have a lot of grit. They, they were down 17. They only lost by one. Yeah, I definitely I think they agree get it done that Marquette's got a huge advantage in this game. That home crowd um, – at brand new stadium, Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee is going to play huge dividends for them, um, especially against a hot Creighton team, the Big East. Um, I just feel like Marquette tends to thrive mm. at home when it comes to these Big East games because they've got a beautiful student section and yeah. a great crowd behind them. That just about does it for us today. We thank you for listening to the Sports Hive podcast. Jacob Hyde and Lucas Hoffman should be here for you guys on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in Wednesday, Friday, and then always on Mondays at 1 Eastern on YouTube and the Anchor app. So please follow our social media in the description below for more content. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of your spectacular Monday, and we will see you guys next time right here on the Sports Hive podcast. Mm -hmm.